and thank you for listening to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. This is a passion project I have to bring you insight and tactical advice that you can take and run with today from myself and a very talented and genuine group of guests brought together to help you take your family experience from good to great and build that foundation of confidence and respect and wisdom that every parent wants to see their child master before they ever leave home. What I really love, though, is connecting with you and giving you a space to connect with each other, which is exactly why the Family Architects Club exists. This private parents club is designed for every parent going through the 6570, those 6,570 days of the parenthood childhood dynamic, which is where your most influential and most impactful window exists as a parent. And this community supports, it guides, it laughs, it builds together to help you in the greatest project that you will ever have as a parent. That being the 6570 Family Project. So I invite you to come on into this club, get to know people and see what is waiting for you, including a free members only gift that you will love and use over and over and over again as a parent. So I can't wait to see you there. And you can just go to NellieHarden.com slash community. Again, that's NellieHarden.com slash community to get connected and get your free members only gift. So I will see you there. Hello, and welcome to the 6570 Family Project Podcast. If you are a parent of a tween, teen, or somewhere on the way, this is exactly the place for you. This is the playground for parents who want to raise their kids with intention, strength, and joy come and hear all the discussions, get all the tactics and have lots of laughs along the way. We will dive into the real challenges in raising kids today, how to show up as parents and teach your kids how to show up as members of the family and individuals of the world. My name is Nellie Harden, big city girl turned small town, sipping iced tea on the front porch mama who loves igniting transformation in the hearts and minds of families by helping them build self-led discipline and leadership that elevates the family experience and sets the kids up with a rock solid foundation they can launch their life on all before they ever leave home. This is the 6570 Family Project. Let's go. everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the 6570 Family Project Podcast. We in this podcast are taking the 6,570 days that are the high impact, high influence time zone of this parenthood, childhood dynamic, and really building them into the confident and the respectful and the wise leaders that they can be so they can go off and have a joy-filled life of impact. That's what we're doing here in this podcast. And today, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the power of the written word. And you're like, okay, I've heard that before, you know, maybe some of the old English uh um, poets and, and authors and things like that, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actually your kiddo or yourself, but definitely your kiddo taking the power of the written word. When you can take something as ambiguous, as shapeless as a thought and actually put it on paper, 
it makes it more concrete. It makes it real, right? There's edges, there's corners, there is an idea. It is out there in the world, right? You can take an eraser to it, but it was there and you're always going to see it. So putting something on paper with your own hand, not typing, putting something on paper is so powerful. Okay. And I want to walk you through some examples that I have here because we use this in my own home and in my practice very, very often. Right. And it also helps you zoom in on something. So writing a letter, you could call it a letter. You could call it a paragraph. You could call it a page. Sometimes these things need like, or go write me 29 pages of why this happened. Right. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, sometimes they're longer. Sometimes they're shorter. Just depends on what is going on, but it can help you zoom in on a decision or zoom in on a specific area of time and open that up. And, um, I've, I've told you guys time and time again, I love to make references. I'm such a visual person. And I remember anyone else ever listen or watch, um, CSI back in the day, I just watched the original one. I didn't watch all the spinoffs, but, um, back in CSI, I just remember that there were so many of these scenes where it would like zoom in and then you would dive into the body and you would see all of these, this stuff happening. And you're like, Oh, okay. That's what happened. Right. And it's kind of the same. That's kind of how I, I view this. You're like, you're so weird. Nelly. Yeah, I am. That's fine. Um, but anyway, it helps you zoom in on something and see what happened and why it happened. So every single action there is, uh, it's a behavior, right? And that behavior is decided on. And of course that's outside of those, you know, nervous system reflexes. We got the knee going and all those things, but pretty much 99% of behaviors are decided on, right? And before that decision happens, there was a feeling. And before that feeling, there was a thought. And there's actually three thought filters that, uh, that something goes through, that a thought goes through before it becomes an action, right? And these are really worth exploring further. And I talk all about this in the mindset cycle. Uh, and I will have another podcast about that in the future. But it's something I definitely teach on because when you can understand, wait a second, I'm actually, this is passing through three different filters. And what are my filters, by the way? Um, and that's something worth exploring too. But today I want to talk to you about just taking a minute to explore an action and this behavior chain or this thought chain happening. So here's an example. Say, uh, so there's some parents whose child seems to be asympathetic, right? Uh, totally non-empathetic. Uh, it seems like they have this animosity toward the world and maybe uh, they turned off their emotion switch and you're like, what is happening, right? And the parents are at wit's end. I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Um, I know I definitely have. And I, I talk with many parents that have as well. It doesn't happen all the time, but it happens often enough that the parents are saying, what is going on with my kid, right? So let's walk through this situation. So one day, uh, there's this uh, little boy and his little sister wanted to get by him. He accidentally trips her. She falls and she gets mildly hurt, like 
you know, boo-boo on the knee, mildly hurt, nothing, you know, doctor worthy or anything. So the best solution, of course, would be to kneel down and apologize and see if his sister was okay. I'm so sorry. You know, I, you just think about what you would do if you were in an airport or in a restaurant or whatever, and you accidentally bumped into somebody, would you just walk away? No, you would. Oh my goodness. I am so sorry. Are you okay? And help them up, help them clean up anything that happened. Right. That's the best solution. That's what we want to get to. But is that what he did? No, he rolls his eyes and walks away. And the parents are like jaws to the floor. What the what, right? They're fed up and they're thinking this, you know, emo switch, uh, the emotional switch uh, was yanked on this one and they just take some deep breaths, right? They probably always didn't do this, but after we work together, we take some deep breaths and we tell him calmly, right? We don't want to act out of our own uh, crazy feelings either, right? That's not going to help the situation. So we tell them that he needs to please go upstairs. And I want you to actually write a paragraph or two about what happened. I want you to tell me how you felt. I want to tell me about your reaction and about how your reaction could be better in the future. Now, they're not going to just be like, oh, okay, mom. Okay, dad. They're going to be like, what? Are you serious? Right. You're going to get, you're going to get the tood and that's fine. And you're going to be like, yes, this is what you need to do. Please go upstairs. And that is your, that is your assignment right now. And please don't come out of your room until this is done. Take some time if you need some time, but that is what needs to happen. And he can't come out until it's written. And if it takes a while, that's okay. He needs to calm down because he's probably going to be perturbed that you're telling him to do this. And that is okay. But what writing does is it slows down that behavior and makes, uh, makes him think about it, right? Makes him think about that thought change, uh, thought chain, because his hand cannot go as fast as his brain. Our, our physical body cannot go as fast as thought, right? There's some Marvel a superhero that can move at the, at the speed of thought. I forget who that is. I don't know, but anyway. Um, and so he needs to actually slow down, zoom in on this you know, it was probably a maybe 10 second exchange. So take all the stuff in the day that happened before and all the stuff that's happened after let's erase that. Let's zoom in on this 10 seconds. Let's actually think about this decision process that happened right then. Okay. And it's more real. Like I was saying earlier, there's more truth and there's more of the, I am identity statements in there. When he's writing this out, he doesn't want to just write I'm a bad brother. So that's why it happened, right? That is very, very rare. And if that is the case, we have some other things we need to dive into, but it is very rare that someone is going to say, I'm a bad brother. That's why I did it. And that's that, right? No one really wants to see that. So this is what's going to happen. And, and he turns in the paper and you're reading it and you're seeing that he accidentally tripped her. It wasn't on purpose. He accidentally tripped her. He was embarrassed and knew everyone would blame him for everything again. Okay. So notice that language in there, everyone, everything again, right? And those are those always nevers. And my husband and I did a marriage. Um, it wasn't, it was like this marriage um, workshop 
at our, our old church uh, back in Indiana years and years and years ago. And that was one of the first things that we talked about. There was probably, I don't know, nine, 10 couples in there. And one of the first things we talked about on week one was when you are having a discussion, you can never use always and never. And every is obviously a, a uh, in that grouping as well. You can't use those because they're simply not true. Everyone doesn't blame him for everything all the time. Right. And so, but that's how he's feeling. So that is his truth right then. And so we need to dissect that a little bit, but let's keep going. So he accidentally tripped her. He says, I was embarrassed and I knew everyone would blame me for everything again. He felt resentful. He's not going to use that word, but you can, uh, you know, extrapolate it from the, uh, the pages that he's writing or the words that he's writing. He felt resentful toward that because he knows his sister is overly dramatic and he feels like his parents only, only, only ever talk to him about his behavior and they never talk to her about hers. Okay. So pause for a second right there. I just want you to know that your kids are always going to think that. They're always going to think that they are the victim of everything and every other sibling never gets talked to, right? That is, that is a very normal feeling. And it's something that is going to have to be squashed over and over and over again, because they're only seeing life from their perspective. So of course they only see, or they see you talking to them more often because they're not the other person, right? They aren't the sibling. And so really getting this into them of, no, we talk to everybody. Everyone's on their own path. I need to help you be you. I need to help her be her, all of these things. And so you aren't in the room when I'm talking with her all the time and all of these things. So I just want to put a pause. If you're hearing that, which you probably are, you're not the only one. It is very normal. And it's something that will have to be repeatedly squashed over and over again. So he questions, let's move on. He questions, uh, or I'm sorry, you question why they always talk to him and, uh, and decided that I'm sorry, he questioned why in his mind, why do they always talk to me? Remember those, those filters. So he had a thought he's like there, um, I'm getting talked to again, right. The observation. And then he's like, why do they always talk to me? And he decides he was just a bad kid. So why even try? And so the result was he walked away. This is where the take him on a walk sit down and talk with them, uh, go do a puzzle and talk about this, go color and talk about this. A lot of times, if you pair a physical activity with a discussion, it goes so much better, right? Because everything isn't focused on eye contact, eye contact, eye contact, right? Uncomfortable, whatever. Um, but if you're coloring, if you're walking, if you're puzzling, if you are like building some little doohickey, whatever that is, you can pair some sort of physical with a good talk, but what you want to do now is be vulnerable. You as the parent, be vulnerable. Let him know, you know what? I totally get being embarrassed. This one time, this really embarrassing thing happened to me. Oh my goodness. My kids, they, a while ago, they asked me, they were, we were on one of our upteen millionth, uh, hours of a road trip and they were like, mom, 
tell me all your embarrassing stories. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. So, you know, we go along and I'm telling them different things. They're like, what? All this stuff. And it just really brings you down to their level. But one of their favorites is when I was in kindergarten and I really had to go to the bathroom and the evil lunch ladies um, that were there circa early, early eighties, you know, um, and, uh, they would not let me go. They thought I was lying. And I was like, I really need to go. They're like, no, you may not go. You need to do this and then go out for recess. And so anyway, I went out for recess. There was one of those dome shaped, uh, jungle gyms. And I was wearing a skirt, of course, and climbing a jungle gym, lots of things to dissect here. But anyway, I climbed to the top and sure enough, peed all the way down from the top of that dome onto a person that was below me. And yeah. So now my embarrassing story is out in the entire world to hear, but that is fine. I was in kindergarten, but my kids always bring that up because they were like, Oh, I'm so embarrassed. But you know what? It wasn't as bad as mom when she peed on that kid. (laughs) So I mean, there's that, right? So be vulnerable with an embarrassing story of your own and help him understand that he only sees the talks that he gets that happened to him. And you're working to help him on his journey and helping his sister to work on hers. And there is a very different correction for every person, right? I can't talk to you the same way I talk to you to the same way I talk to you. You guys are different people, different things happen. And a good way, especially if you have little kids, um, older kids can kind of grasp that everyone needs a, a bit of difference, right? But younger kids, I often say, okay, so what if I take you to an ice cream store tomorrow and we walk up and your little sister says, I want, I don't know, let's say cookies and cream. And you didn't want cookies and cream. You wanted some other kind, but to be fair and that everyone gets the same exact thing, everyone in the family is getting cookies and cream, right? And then they're like, but I didn't want that. I know because that wasn't right for you. That was right for her, but it wasn't right for you. It's just such a great, uh, simple, simple analogy to help them understand that different people, different things, right? Okay. So we're working on this. We're helping him understand that you're helping him with his journey. You're helping her with her journey. And there's an age gap there, right? Which also means that there's a wisdom gap there. And we're putting some of that ownness, that, that ownership and leadership on him too. Like we need to teach her how to react when she accidentally trips somebody in the future. We don't want her just walking away. Right. And what you do, because she looks up to you because you are her big brother, then we need to be able to teach her. Can you help me do that? Right. So you're bringing him in, you're being vulnerable. You're, you're, uh, saying, I understand you and you are not the worst, you know, kid, brother, uh, son in the world. Right. And you're bringing him into the fold to help you, uh, parent, right. So we're, be, we're growing this team mentality and you can also agree. I do agree. Your sister can be overly dramatic sometimes. And that is something we're working on with her again. Le- can you help me do that? Right. Because if we can help her, then you can be helped too. Right explain that being there to help one another, especially a family member is the right choice because we're a team and we, and a team needs everyone to stay strong and lift one another up. A family is a team. You guys, I've used this writing time 
time and time and time again for different situations. And even when kids are just trying to figure something out, right? Give them a big question and it makes them think about it. Zoom in and think about that one thing. Papers do not just have to be about overall themes of the grapes of wrath, right? I don't know. That's the first thing that pops and in, popped into my head. I remember writing about that when I was in high school, um, but they can be used for the purpose of growing emotional intelligence as well. Right. Uh, I asked one of my kids the other day, what are your, just, can you just write me some curious? And I think it would really help, uh, me understand some things. Can you tell me what your moral filters are that your thoughts go through before they come become an action. And she wrote me a paper on it and it gained me so much clarity and it probably did for her too. And then we can have a discussion about that. Funny, funny enough though. I I told my husband that I asked her that question. He's like, uh, I don't even know if I would be able to answer that. And I was like, well, maybe you should write a paper on it. Uh, and he's like, I think I have to go build the, uh, he's building a, a kitchen Island for us right now. So he's thinking about it while he's standing. I'm, I'm sure of it. Um, but I keep these letters for posterity and also as a good reminder, if repeated things happen again, right? So in our instance that we walked through, if, if something else happened where it seemed like he was shutting off some of his emotion, um, we can bring this back out and say, do you remember when we talked about this? Can you remind me some of the things that we talked about after that happened? And you can build on it instead of starting from scratch all over again. So try it and see what you guys learn. It is a great process because there is so much power in that written word. Okay, guys, this is Nellie, your partner in parenting. Talk soon and happy building, you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope you were able to take something from our discussion that you can use to build the foundation of self-led leadership in your own family. If you are a parent with children 17 or younger, and especially those around nine and up, I would love to extend an invitation to you to the best club in town. The Family Architects Club is a private club where intentional parents go that wanna love, support, connect, or reconnect, and really truly help guide their kids and teach them how to self-lead in discipline and leadership. This is an online community and you are welcome to it. Parenting is a project and you are the architect of this one. You plan, you design and oversee the construction of the beginning of someone else's life. And that's what goes into these first 6,570 days and it will be the foundation for the rest of their lives. So come join the club. You can find your invitation on the front page of my website, nellieharden.com. That is N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com. Thank you again for being a part of this conversation today. And if something really resonated with you, or if you have a question, please don't hesitate to connect with me. You can find me on Instagram at Nellie Harden. And lastly, if you loved the information, please, please leave a five-star review and a comment so more and more families can be impacted by harnessing the strength of these ideas and tools in their own families. So thank you so much. Happy building, you guys, and I'll see you next week.